HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program was brought to you by Eat on North. Eat on North is a casual restaurant where honest, uncomplicated food is served without pretension. Find Eat on North at hotelonnorth.com. This is Mike Edison, host of Art Senses of Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in the rhythm and sound. It's gonna get you sun in the air. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. And today we are we're gonna switch it up a little bit today, and we're gonna talk about spirits. I'm just kidding. We always do that. Um, what a terrible joke to lead in with. Um, <laughs> so when I was working at Linnell's back in the day, uh, down in Red Hook, there was a lot of like unique... The, the store was really based on the hard-to-get items, whether it was legal or not. Uh, bitters, which were definitely not... We weren't supposed to have them in the store. But it was a place where people would trek to to find all these very rare items and things they couldn't normally get in their area or even in New York City. It was like a great resource for finding these things. And we have come a long way since then. And there have been some great developments in our technology and our industry. And one of those is a great website by the name of caskers.com. And in the studio today, we have the founder of Caskers, Stephen Apt. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you in. Um, I was at your uh, your big party last Wednesday after after doing the radio show, and uh, it was a really really good time, man. It was a lot of I saw a lot of friends, met some new ones, and uh, that was a great great way to uh, try a bunch of stuff. And uh, so, thanks for the invite for that. And uh, um, why don't you tell me about uh, Caskers? It's a cool. It's it's not just spirits. You've got like other, like books, accessories, and that kind of stuff. But it's it's definitely based on the idea of some hard to get spirits. Correct? Yeah, that's absolutely right. So we're you know probably about ninety five percent spirits. Um, we do have the occasional bottle of wine, and we certainly have some accessories. But but our goal is is very similar to what you were just talking about, which is getting the hard to find products, um, the products you wouldn't otherwise know about, telling you the story behind it and giving you the chance to buy it. 
Um, so that, you know, if you live in an area where maybe your liquor stores basically are Jack Daniels and absolute vodka and you don't have a lot of choice, we can give you a lot more choice. Um, and we can also introduce you to these new products and tell you who's making it, why it's interesting, why you should try it. Um, which is not something you can typically get at a liquor store. Yeah, it's it's an issue. Like sometimes when I when I write an article about a cocktail, it's like I have to make sure that it's a kind of a, a very accessible list of ingredients because there are certain states where you can't get certain things. Or if it's, I mean, like for instance, like well now it's much different. Like but when uh, like Creme de Violette and Allspice Dram came into the market, you couldn't get them everywhere. Now now you can, but uh, it's a lot more common. But back then it was like you couldn't really write an article about these certain ingredients because it was basically like dangling a carrot in front of people's faces and like it was it was kind of rude but now with like websites like yours you like you've got a greater array of products to to get your hands on yeah that that's exactly right so you know because of the way our 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 country is set up there's 50 different states with 50 different sets of laws and 50 different sets of distributors so to get a product out there um, you know, a smaller company is really only going to focus on their home state and maybe one or two more, probably neighboring states. Or if they're somewhere far away, they'd probably do California, New York, um, which leaves a whole lot of the country generally uncovered from, you know, that product in their local store. So we try to bridge that gap. Um, and, you know, if there's a, a great local product that we're able to get and we can ship it to you somewhere else, um, we'd love to do that. Yeah, but it's not just local. Like, it's not just domestic products. You have all these great scotches and rums and all this stuff that it's, you know, it's, at that point, it's all just about distribution, like, it, from state to state. But, you know, like, especially with smaller brands, you know, we have so many distilleries in New York now, but it's a really slow process getting your product. I mean, there's, well, there are other issues like production, but but outside of that, it's it's a very arduous process to get your it's, product across state lines. That's totally right. And there's also, you know, there's there's two different components also to awareness. So there's the brands and the distilleries who are making product are distilleries and they don't, you know, they're not experts in marketing and they don't necessarily want to be. What they want to do is make these terrific products. Um, they want people to know about them, but they don't always know the best way to do that, mm-hmm. um, which is understandable and right because that's not their core competency. Um, and then from the consumer standpoint, there's a ton of new products. There's some amazing new products and there's some amazing old products. And unless you're really a connoisseur, you don't have the time to, you know, spend hours digging around the web or, digging, or you know, a, a week at the at the liquor store talking to everybody who comes in and, and finding out what's best. Um, so what we really try to do is help on both fronts. So we help with the marketing from the from the producer standpoint, but we also help with the discovery from the consumer standpoint. So we tell you about the product and we let you understand why it's worth trying um, and what what sets it apart from the others. Yeah, it, you. I mean, like especially. Well, the uh, the event that you had last week was definitely that. You had uh, was really what was I can't remember, what was the event space? Yeah. It was a, so it was at Houston Hall in the in yeah. the West Village. Yeah, that was a really cool space. Which is sort of a uh, you know for those for those who haven't been there, it's sort of a uh, old beer hall. Yeah. Um, and we set aside the the giant long tables and we put up a distillery at each table. So we had about 30 distilleries come in, pouring their different spirits. Uh, a lot of them were making cocktails with it, so you could try it uh, in two ways. Um, and it was a great opportunity for our consumers to meet the meet the people who are making the products and the people who are making the products an opportunity to speak about them um, in their own voice and connect with the consumer, which is you know most of the events in the distillery in the spirits world are um 
industry events. So they see the same faces sure. and you see bartenders and you see the other producers and you see liquor store owners, but you don't really see um, consumers very often. So it's a great opportunity for them as well. Yeah, that's one thing I definitely noticed there. It was like, well, I mean, I, I recognized quite a few people that were like pouring right. or making cocktails. And uh, but it was it was definitely it was it was so much different than, like you said, like all these other events that, you know, that I go to where it's essentially it's like just a roaming like party for exactly. like industry people not you know? that there's anything wrong with that's that. great yeah <laughs> and it's kind of like you, you get to have like a little class reunion but like on a very like regular basis but uh yeah there were i, I talked to a few people there um that were actually yeah they're on the consumer side and they were first of all it we get kind of like jaded i think in our industry because especially like when you work in like spirits or in like cocktail bars it's like education is such a big part of what we do and we kind of I sometimes forget that like not everyone knows like like as much absolutely because it's our industry and like we you know we were we absorb all the information we possibly can but it's if we maybe drink too much i don't know <laughs> maybe that's what it is but uh yeah i sometimes forget that there are people out there that are still like in need of this information and that's i mean partially it's why we do this radio show too um and uh yeah but then some of these people that i was talking to at your event were really sweet and uh they were just like psyched they were like i've been wanting to try yellow spot but i didn't know where to find it or like like anything about it you know you know i don't know what a 12 year irish whiskey is like you know and so they were really psyched to be there and to be enjoying that um but yeah, I think that's uh so wait a minute, going back to let's go back a little bit. Uh so so getting uh these different spirits uh around the United States takes quite a bit of legal activity. Of course. But what's cool about it is you and your partner are both attorneys, right? Right. So my co founder and I uh were trained as lawyers and worked as lawyers for a couple of years. Um and actually in law school, one of the uh I, the kind of kernel of the idea for Caskers came about because we would travel around the country um, interviewing with, with law firms, and we noticed at bars and at restaurants that the spirit selection was different depending on where we were. Um, and we would try something, you know, in Chicago and wouldn't be able to get it back in Boston or back in New York. Um, and that we saw as a huge problem, and that kind of led to the idea of, hey, what's going on here? Um, and then, you know, while we were working, um, as lawyers, we also were working on this idea of caskers. Um, so for about a year and a half before we actually launched the site, um, we were figuring out what the best way to do it was, how we could get products, um, and how we could also obviously understand the industry a lot better. Yeah, I think that it is such a you know I was in uh, I was in well we were talking about this before the show but like there you know all these different state laws are so different like Texas is one for instance that you can't really ship to but. It's it's so weird. I I went to I was at a bar called Shangri La, and it was actually I don't know if you've ever heard the story about Bill Murray getting behind the bar and serving drinks at South by Southwest. Like I five, think yeah, five years ago, I was there that night, and he was pouring uh, like he was taking orders, and like every everyone that'd be like they were like freaking out, and they're like oh, I'll take a Lone Star, and he would just give you a tequila shot, <laughs> and then I asked him for a tequila shot, and then he gave me a funny look, and he was like. Lone Star, <laughs> um, but behind that bar, um, this was five years ago, so I'm not sure. Uh, even I don't even know if this product exists anymore. 
I should know this, but since they repackaged, it might have been put away. But uh, Rittenhouse White Label 80 Proof. And you can get that in... Well, you were able to. This is like five years ago, like I said. But you were able to get that uh, in you know different neighboring states here, but like no one knew what it was. Right. And so I... I bought like five bottles of it in Texas and flew back with it. And it was actually really good. It was kind of nice to have like a Rittenhouse ride that was like 80 proof. It still had all the spice and character and everything, but you weren't like, you weren't like being a, like, you could have more than one. <laughs> yeah. You weren't like total cowboyed out, you know? Um, but I, yeah, I mean, like, that's, it's a terrible thing. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, like, we were talking a little bit before, too. It's like, it's awesome that we're about to have Cuban rum, but, uh, they're probably gonna like run out of it like immediately after we start uh, ordering Havana Club, um, but but yeah, I mean like so you're you're traveling around. I'm sorry, I digress, but um, you're traveling around to these different places. Was there any one spirit in particular like that you were drinking or that like that kind of like turned you onto this idea? Like what was the uh, the actual the spark? You know, it might have been, um, and now I'm not sure because I, I'm not sure of the timing, but it might have been either. Uh, a few whiskey in Illinois yeah. or something out of Corsair um, in Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure exactly which, you know, if there was one specific. So you're drinking thing, a lot but of it was, like but bourbon. But certainly in the in the whiskey world. Yeah. Um, you know, and there are certainly interesting gins and interesting vodkas, and there's more and more of that being made today. Um, but the stuff that really differentiates itself is, in my mind, at least the whiskey. Yeah. And there's, well, that's, there's such a, a crazy market in the United States now, like, with uh, American whiskey and especially like the, all the differences. And, uh, I mean, the, yeah, there's like several like amazing whiskey distilleries in Texas, but then like all the balconies yep. and stuff, but like the Corsair stuff, you know, I remember seeing that and never being able to get that either. And like now that's still, that's available. And it, I guess we could kind of jade it again in New York city where like we can, it's all, it's all yeah, available because we're in New York City. But you're right. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff still going on. I mean, and that's great. I mean, like, so when and, you and, well, and even in New York City, you know, you at a bar, you can you can order from anywhere, and you can you know you can get it from the distributor. Mm-hmm. But the typical consumer at their local liquor store is still limited to you know the ten whiskeys that they have that every liquor store has. And yeah. there's obviously a bigger, better liquor store ever, uh, a mile away or so. But unless you're on the lookout for the great whiskey, you're still probably beholden to the corner stores uh, yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, this. I know that your your website is all about discovery. I think we should take a break, and when we get back, let's talk about how you go about finding these different spirits and what your process is on discovering them. All right, back in just a moment. and I'm the executive chef at Eat on North in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts. Eat on North in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts is a casual restaurant where good, honest, uncomplicated food is served to our guests. Our restaurant is part of the hotel called Hotel on North, the newly opened boutique hotel in downtown Pittsfield. 
We source local ingredients from our neighboring farms and offer an all-day dining menu of flavorful American cuisine for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And on weekends, we serve brunch. Our oyster bar serves up delicious shellfish and oyster samplers until 11 p.m. Check out our menu at eatonnorth.com and follow us on Instagram. You're listening to The Speakeasy. We have Stephen from caskers.com in the studio today. And we were just talking about the process of getting these different great unique spirits to a lot of places where previously in the United States you couldn't get them. And, uh, and you know, some of that was us not even being able to get them in New York. But uh, some really amazing stuff on the site. Um, there's some super rare stuff. I mean... You're talking about before the show about certain certain spirits that kind of seem like almost commonplace nowadays in a lot of like the high, like nicer bars and higher end places. But like, there's some stuff here that's even obscure for like I have like very eclectic taste, and there's some stuff here that I don't even have in my bar that's like really impressive to me. Um, you've got the man, where'd that go? I, I was looking at the eggnog uh, twelve. Uh, scotch, you've got like, man, like who yeah. who has like the Bernheim wheat whiskey? You know, I, like I've only seen that in a few places, like as far as bars goes, and like, uh, yeah, I mean, like how do you how do you find these and how do you curate the uh, the selection that you guys have? Yeah, so it's uh, two things. So first, you know, we do we like the ability to impress you and to impress the connoisseur. Um, and we also like having things that, you know, seem commonplace to us and seem commonplace to you, but, you know, recognizing the average consumer's, um, level, you know, knowledge level is not commonplace to them and is still new and and really interesting and cool to them. Um, so we try to do a mix of that. And then in, in terms of finding the spirits, um, you know, we reach out to producers and we, you know, we're reading all the blogs and we're keeping track of new products. Um, and you know, at this point, probably, 80% 80% of the spirits we post are inbound to us. So basically once we launched, we started fielding emails and calls from all the distilleries and all the brands um, pitching their new products um, because, it, you know, they recognize the power of the of the Internet and the marketplace and the fact that there really wasn't uh, a clearinghouse like this for, for spirits. Um, so we try everything. If we think it's a good combination of taste and, you know, interestingness and price point makes sense, um, then it's going to get featured. Yeah. And so... You definitely you send out uh, different update emails for the site with like different information for new products and also a lot of stuff that you carry and like I, so I w- I'm wondering like what your offices look like honestly like I'm sitting here like trying to put my words together but I'm like I really want to <laughs> I, I have an idea but uh, how many first how many people work for Casker so there's uh, there's six of us um, and we're in Chinatown. Um, and our office uh, generally looks like a startup space, except that um, you know, lining the walls and and behind the handmade bar is uh, a lot of liquor. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of sample bottles of you know, ranging in size from 50 milliliter up to 750, um, and they're scattered throughout the office. And obviously, we try to keep them by the bar, um, but you know, there's there's tasting all the time. So probably twice a week, somebody is coming in um, to taste for us. Um, you know, the taste us on either, either it's a distributor with a product line of, you know, 15 different spirits or it's the producer himself uh, or herself um, with one or two spirits for us to try. Yeah. Um, do you, do you get out? Like, as far as like you said, you know, you're doing all this, uh, you're checking out the blogs and uh, following a lot of these places. Do you go to like, you know, like Portland cocktail week or like tales of the cocktail ever? To- yeah. We try to go to some events. Um, 
you know, from our perspective, it's a good way to try. So one of the things that uh, actually was super helpful even before we launched was the Indie Spirits Expo, mm-hmm. um, which uh, had been part of the Manhattan Cocktail Classic, um, but I guess outlived it this year. Um, and is also in Chicago, so we go to that, and that's you know that's really our our core demographic of distilleries. They're all in attendance there, so it was a great way to meet them before we launched um, and to continue continue meeting them and and talking to them and trying their new products. Um, but they're also still just sending us a lot of stuff by mail. Um, we have done uh, visits to Scotland, visits to Kentucky to to try new products and to to get um, to get products that are exclusively on caskers. So we'll frequently buy single barrels of bourbon. Um, or even single casks of scotch, and you know we'll take the entire output of that barrel and, and put it available to our members. Next question: Are you hiring? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds awesome, man. Um, do you find that you're getting a lot of a lot of smaller producers that are really re- reaching out and like they're they're being a little bit more gung ho about you, as far as like you know like, some of these brands have been around for a very long time, right? And they're they kind of like got their thing going, but th- maybe not their they're not that huge, but they're well established, and they. I feel like sometimes they they kind of like just their own cruise control. Um, do you see like do you see a lot of just really? I guess what I'm asking is like what is like the what what is your experience with a lot of these because a lot of these uh, smaller uh, and newer distilleries because to me it's I don't know it's like they're so they're they're ambitious but it seems like they're also like yourself you know you've got like six employees and you're doing a lot of work but it's kind of hard to like get the word out sometimes yeah i think that's exactly right so you know we we get a lot of outreach from smaller guys and we do from from the bigger players also and it's sort of a different a different type of outreach that we get um but the smaller and then and the newer distilleries a lot of them are, are people who uh you know quit whatever their day job had been to start a distillery because they were passionate about the industry and they yeah. love what they were doing and they thought they could make a great whiskey or a great gin or, or whatever the product is. Um, there's a lot of that in New York, man. There's a lot. You know, I think it's it's great that we're here at Roberta's because there's probably a dozen distilleries in Brooklyn and a couple more in Queens. And it's it's really this and probably Seattle are the, the hotbeds of the craft distilling uh, movement or, or the, the central places. Um, but but these guys, you know, they, they fell in love with distilling. Um, and that's why they're doing it. So they want to get their product out, not necessarily so they can become millionaires because everyone's drinking it and it's, you know, the new absolute vodka, but because it's a great product and they're really proud of it. Um, and that, and that's where we can come in. Do you, do you have some of these producers like come, do you get to like take them out and show them around, uh, whatever they're around town? We try to, yeah, we try to, where do you, where do you like to go in, in the city? Um, so we go all over. We like to go, um, you know, when I when I lived in the West Village, I, sp- I spent a lot of time at employees only. Um, I like to go somewhere where they can make me a good cocktail and I don't have to do anything myself. Um, you know, uh, you choosing from a spirits. menu is nice. I have plenty of spirits. If I want to if I want to drink a spirit, I can stay at the office. Yeah. Um, but when I'm out, I, I want to put my put my night in somebody else's hand. Yeah. So you spend a lot of time at EO. There's uh, those guys. Have, they're awesome dudes. They've all been on the show at one point or another. Um so what's your take on uh like you said you do a lot of uh a lot of you drink a lot of whiskey but like we touched a little bit on gin uh have you had you've had the forged gin right yeah it's great that's great stuff. yeah we sell it on our site and it's, oh, it's terrific there's man there's a lot of really it's the, there's like another thing that's happening right now too there's so many like new tequila brands coming out do you guys have like uh 
a pretty decent selection of tequila on your side? We do. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly not as robust as our whiskey selection. Right. Um, but there is, there's definitely going to be stuff that the average person hasn't heard of. Um, and there's some really great stuff. We had, uh, last week we had, uh, Brennan from, uh, Santerra tequila on the show and Vicky Lou was in the studio. She didn't, she didn't speak on the radio, but she was here with him and, uh, and then she had to boogie and go to the Caskers event to pour some tequila. Great. <laughs> so that's why it came up. Uh, yeah, she she was actually working that uh, at, right after the, the radio show. Um, yeah, there's there's a really interesting thing happening with tequila right now. Uh, I, it's kind of a it's kind of a, a strangely like burgeoning like market. I mean, it's it's that side of the spirits industry has always been like heavily like highly regarded but like there's a lot it there's so many like new agave products coming out and there's like things like ricea and like all these like single village mezcals it's kind of kind of an insane market and that's definitely one that i think of that's one that comes to mind to me when i'm thinking of like rare spirits like definitely whiskey rum but that's just because they're so different you know i saw that you have the lost spirits rum uh on the side as well. The stuff's awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I can't stop drinking that stuff, even though it hurts. I know Nicholas Flatsy, man. He he likes his overproof booze, man. He has a, a great portfolio. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, but, I, but yeah, the, I mean, mezcal um, is something that uh, you know there really is a lot of craft in it. Um, there are a lot of the single village ones, and there's a lot of so we have a bunch of mezcal. Um, frankly, it doesn't sell quite as well as whiskey. Um, and I think part of that is that, you know, the, the price point on mezcal is super high on, on some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to commit to a bottle if you don't know what it's going to taste like. And you're, you're moving from, uh, you know, if you're moving from Patron to try some a mezcal that you haven't heard of and it's twice the price, so that can be a bit of an ask. Yeah. So it's kind of a thing that I think sells a bit better in bars where you can try it first. Sure. Yeah. A lot of places nowadays are starting to do like half ounce copitas. So exactly. you can try these different. And that's such a great idea. Um Pouring ribbons, I think, is doing that now. Um, but the, uh, I think the other thing with like mezcal is just the. I mean, it's something where a, a website like yours can come in handy because, like, I think a lot of people just don't have the information on these different single village mezcals. The thing, the thing that I think really works well with with mezcal sales, really, other than tasting it, it's like there's so many great stories and there's so much great narrative from all these families and the villages and like you know the the process on making like a pachuga you know exactly. and and you know like the harvest festival and stuff like there's so much that stuff that we're used to getting so much that information and with like american whiskeys and some of it's probably bullshit <laughs> for some of these brands but but yeah there's like i know that you can't, you have to have i wouldn't say you have to have a story but you have to have your information available because that's yeah, like you, said, you do, and they and they all have great stories. Um, and and mezcal, you're right in that you know it, it's not um, mass produced like some of the products. So in in bourbon, for example, the corn is not being picked by hand; it's being picked by a machine, and, sure. and probably coming from a giant industrial plant that processes all the corn in the country. It probably came um, from. Some of it probably came from my farm in Oklahoma. Exactly. It's not, it's not all from Indiana. Exactly. It ended up there at one point. <laughs> um, but with, with Mezcal, with, you know, they're, they're handpicking the agaves. Um, they have these 
eighth generation mezcaleros picking them and, and harvesting them and, and roasting the pinas. Um, and that's really the only way they can do it. And it's not, um, it's not a product that's easily mass produced. Sure. Um, I feel it, a lot of the smaller rum companies are kind of that way as well. You know, like I, it, rum's there's really on the upswing. There's a, it's on an upswing for me personally as well. I, I uh, started drinking a lot more of it and uh, I think it's, I think it's, it's due to continue rising. Um, there's a lot of really interest rum like whiskey is um, there's a lot of differences between rums, um, which you don't necessarily see in, in a product like vodka where kind of the goal is, is um, drinkability um, with rum. You also see a lot of similar to the mezcal, a lot of single estate grown rums. Sure. Um, and you see them also trying a lot of, a, a lot of new experimental things. Um, you know, there, there, some companies are, putting their barrels underwater. Some are, um, you know, growing everything on estate. Some are shipping them back to Scotland to age. So there's a lot of different interesting things going on some, in, the, in the world of wacky rum. ideas. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I think like, especially I'm, I'm saying, I, I used to be like really, and I still am. I, I love American whiskey, but I think it's a natural progression with a lot of people that I know. They start, they start, uh, kind of like veering towards this rum, uh, kind of world that, but it's it's like you said, you know, it varies so much across the you know all over the world that there's like a huge sense of like discovery when you're getting into like all these crazy rooms. Yeah, exactly. And there's also you know there's a movement in the U.S. Uh, with a lot of uh, New England style rooms. So they're they're being made in back in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, um, which is really how the the whiskey uh, the spirits that were made. Um, in early times in the U.S. was mostly rum, um, and they're going back to that. And there's some great kind of uh, recipes that are mimicking what what it used to taste like. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Well, um, the website is caskers.com. It's full of amazing information, um, and it's a really it's a really well laid out website too. And it's, uh, it, it, it's I've gotten to play around on it a little bit and. Uh, it's just really cool, and there's such a great selection of spirits. You've done a really great job on it, and I can't wait to see what's next for it and how it's going to keep expanding. And maybe you can open up a West Coast office, and I can work in it. That, that's <laughs> not a bad idea at all. <laughs> all right, Stephen, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. All right, that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out HeritageRadioNetwork.org for many other programs like this. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.